Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. Today, I am by myself. Yes, I am. Um, I'm actually going to share a clip from an event that we did on November 4th of 2015. And this is, uh, the event is called the Leadership and Economic Summit. We do this annually. We hire an economist to come speak on the local and global economy and just uh, kind of tie it back to what it means for small businesses. And then the second part of it is a CEO panel. And that is the clip I'm going to share with you here shortly. The panel, they, they go about 90 minutes long. The clip, I assure you, is only 25 minutes long. And it's a segment where they talk about talent acquisition and just unique benefits that there's having to offer their employees and, and kind of unique ways to bring people that fit the culture into the business and just the very talented people, like what they're really trying to do to attract new people that fit their company. And so it's a very enlightening discussion. The uh, discussion, you'll, you'll hear multiple voices. I'll kind of share with you who they are. The moderator, you'll hear him asking questions and kind of leading this discussion. It's Rick Thomas. He is of Pilot Wealth Management. And he leads a discussion with three other panelists. Angela Dowling is president of Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield of Oregon. Mark Helwig, he is the founder of Clive Coffee. They're a small company located in Portland, Oregon. And then Bill Hughesby, he's the founder of Sigma Design. They're also located in Portland, and I think they have another location. But they've grown to about 140 employees. But he did start the company. And you'll sort of hear him specifically talk about the unique things he's had to offer over the years to, you know, keep the people that he wants working for his company and what he's also had to offer uh, new talent as well. Uh, later on in the discussion, you'll hear Angela Dowling really talk about employer group benefits and just healthcare in general. So you'll kind of hear um, from her perspective what, you know, what employers are, are having to do nowadays to uh, to attract the talent. As always, uh, we'd love to, to hear what you think of the podcast, so feel free to, to give us a review on iTunes, uh, or feel free to reach out to us. Uh, the, the email address you can reach us at is info at zeniumhr.com, and zenium is spelled with an X. So we'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll definitely keep getting out more topics for you. And without further ado, here is the clip from the Leadership and Economic Summit CEO panel. Enjoy. But let's let's pull on this this talent issue that you brought up, Angela. Um, and and if if your experience is anything, what I'm certainly seeing among our client base, that be they business owners or part of a business, is that uh, it's an incredibly tight labor market for recruiting skilled talent. That has it's interesting. If I look at the 
the conversations that have happened over the last few summits we've had, that's been a consistent. And when I look at the data that John shows, it says, okay, we're going to somewhere in mid 2% range. And from his perspective, you know, maybe that's, I hope it's better. And I think, gosh, what are we going to do if it gets any faster growth? Um, how are we going to find people? I mean, it, how are you guys wrestling with that? Or are you wrestling with that talent piece of it for your organizations? Yeah. Bill. So at, at Sigma Design, uh, I like to use the term that I want to just get the right people on the bus. And that's what I focus on, is just making sure we have processes for uh, finding the right people. And, and the right people, in our mind, are, are what I call 3C uh, plus C. So there's actually four C's now. And that's competence. I don't care if the person's a production worker, uh, shipping clerk, front desk, engineer, uh, model maker, um, manager. They have to be competent in what they do. Uh, they also have to have a curiosity. They have to know what's going on around them. Uh, take their head out. If they're working on code, what's the code do? What's the machine do? And, uh, and then confidence. Um, I want people that say, yeah, I can do that. I can get that done. And then the third is culture. At Sigma Design, um, we value the, the culture of the company tremendously. And we got values that we live by. And so those, those four C's are, are what we focus on. And finding people to come in and interview for those isn't too tough. Um, but finding people that meet those is extremely tough. And our whole hiring process is designed uh, in the two, with, with two mistakes uh, that can be made. And one's acceptable and one's not. The mistake that is not acceptable is hiring a person that doesn't fit those four C's. Um, we, at times, don't hire people that we should have. And that's the mistake I'm, living, I'm willing to live with. Um, but we can't hire people that don't fit. But we've, we find lots of people, but finding the people that fit that criteria is tough. Have you had to change your recruiting methods to get the right people that fit that profile? And, and, and like in today's labor market, is that? Uh, yeah, we created a recruiting method. We didn't have one before. <laughs> uh, so about two years ago, we realized that we were going to have lots of growth. And every time we went to hire somebody, and two years ago, by the way, we had probably about 70 people, 80 people, or 140 now. And uh, we, we just, every time we went to hire somebody, we'd all sit around, the, the management team would sit around and go, well, geez, what do we do? Uh, where should we place an ad? What, uh, boy, what, what, who doesn't have a job that we know? And we realized, well, wait a minute. I want to hire people that have jobs because <laughs> um, those people are, are, are good. Um, but I also want to hire um, and, and be a part of the, the solution and, and grow and, and make jobs. So we hired a recruiter internally uh, after looking at all the different ways of doing it. And um, when you hire the right person to do a job, it's amazing what happens. Uh, I realized very quickly that I didn't have a process for approving requisitions, because every department was just hiring people. And I went, whoa, stop. OK, let's think about this. And uh, so that was a big, big deal. I, I hired someone who was a recruiter. So for a, a, an organization your size, 140 people, you have a full-time recruiter? Yes. Is that something you would have considered you would have had to have done even a couple years ago? Oh, no. <laughs> There's a lot of things I didn't consider a couple years ago. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Angela, how about, you, how about Regents? Obviously a large organization, lots of employees. How do you keep ahead of that curve? 
the talent curve and yeah. the requirement. Well, you know, Mark and I were talking about this um, over breakfast, and it's interesting. We're a 97-year-old company. We've been around a long time, and we're really moving into a space where we have to be incredibly nimble and agile, something that I mean, the health insurance industry has been relatively uh, unchanged since 1964 up until about uh, 2010 when healthcare reform was passed. And at that point, everything went into hyperdrive because we had to really be very responsive to what the federal government was implementing. And then each state had its own regulations and we're in four states and we were told two weeks notice you can keep your plan. No, you can't keep your plan. And I know some of you were told that too. So internally we had to double map products, in other words, build them and get them built in the system, take them off, put them on, take them off, put them back on. That's a culture we didn't have to embrace in 1990, in 2000, and 2005. Healthcare reform really wasn't there, and it was a very consistent market space. So what we've had to do now is realize the talent we recruit today has to look different, it has to feel different than the talent we've had. That doesn't mean that we don't keep our existing talent. We have to bring them forward and implement some new skill sets and new ways of thinking, but really, how do we fail fast? If it's not going to work, then find a different way to get it done. And, and I'm proud to say we're, we've learned to be very nimble and quick, but that's a whole new talent set that has to come in where you're running down one path and all of a sudden, oh wait, the law changed and this just happened with the PACE legislation, but don't get me started. And we had to flip over to a, a whole new platform and so we've we just learned to become very nimble on, on in the moment. And that is not something that we have historically looked for is that uh, fast, um, reactionary employee who can switch gears and be comfortable with change and, and change that is wildly disruptive on so many levels. Um, and also, uh, Bill mentioned curious. We are really looking for that employee who's curious, who understands end-to-end -end a lot more than maybe what we've historically looked for because the decision you make today as an employee is going to impact six, seven, ten other areas of the organization and then you as our customer. So how do we make sure that the decisions we make today through all of that process and all those legal requirements are appropriate and that we communicate it appropriate and get it out to the market? I will be honest with you, it's really hard to find the talent who can do all of those things. And we have a recruiter too, um, thank goodness, uh, because, and we use that team heavily uh, because finding that talent is challenging. Um, but John mentioned some statistics around uh, uh, unemployment or employment rates based upon education level and we're definitely finding that those people with masters and uh, in that market space are in high demand and are definitely um, in demand in the market space and they're harder to recruit for obvious reasons. Yeah. And, and just for clarification in, in case some people don't no, you mentioned some legislation, the, the mm -hmm. PACE legislation. Mm -hmm. what, briefly, what, what was that? Um, briefly, um, for employers that have between 51 and 100 employees, the legislation as of January this year, those employers were going to be pulled into the small group rating pool. In other words, you had to migrate your existing plan, health plan, whatever that may be, to a bronze, silver, or gold plan. And your rate structure 
was not going to be based upon your demographics, but rather based on a pool. That's a simplistic way of looking at it, which would have created tremendous challenge for that market space. It would have increased about 40% of those employers would get a 20 or more percent increase in their overall health care costs just because they were being consolidated into another pool. Um, I'm happy to say that in all four states that we're in, including Oregon, that was likely delayed for several years. Okay, so. thank you. Uh, Mark, back to the, to the recruiting. Are, are you currently continuing to add employees? And, and, and you know, I'm curious for, you're, you're not a startup anymore. The, there is a critical mass of the business, but that, that you know, building that and, and dealing with this in Portland as a manufacturer now and wrestling with the livability a factor for employees within the metro area. How do, how do you deal with that? How does that impact your business? So it's very important for us to be very agile in our plans because so many things end up changing. Um, and the org chart I have today is, is not, I couldn't have told you even six months ago exactly what my org, cha- org chart would be now. So um, we have to be very agile, but the, the, the advantage I have when I am hiring people is that I can offer them um, an environment where they have a big Im- impact on, on the success of the company. Um, I hired one gentleman who was working in the food service industry and he was a motorcycle mechanic uh, as a hobbyist and I hired him at $14 an hour earlier this year and he just got promoted and now he's at $55,000 an hour, uh, sorry, 55000 a year salary. Um, so it's a quick, there's a quick on-ramp he can, he can make into a livable salary, and he can now probably buy a house. Not close in, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's getting towards a livable wage. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we put up an ad for an assembly position, and we got probably 400 resumes wow. to, to go through. Um, the one, I, the one I hired, um, the cover letter started with the sentence, um, I am definitely not the person you have in mind for this position, but please consider me. She's a 62-year-old woman, um, and she's doing assembly work for us. She can't carry the heaviest boxes. Her hands tremble when she does some of the work, but she is so devoted and such a sweetheart. And I mean, th- I like having that kind of culture where we find good people and they don't fit into a narrow box of what you might expect for an assembly position. Sure. So would you say your ability to kind of morph and change that quickly, does that allow you to consider and attract people that perhaps you wouldn't otherwise be able to? Yeah, it, it, it does. Uh, so one of my, 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 key, my key guy, my, my right-hand guy, um, he actually came from Danner Boots. And um, I stepped up and made him a salary offer that he accepted 18 months ago. He has been totally critical to our success on launching the coffee maker. Um, What do you know? They're coming back trying to poach him um, with a higher salary offer. So now I'm in discussion with him about an equity equity grant. Um, So, you know, I have to be... I have to be scrappy and and play ball to to retain talent like that. It's interesting you mention that. because among our client base, you're not the only small business that is having to get very creative around retaining key employees. And, and equity or some form of equity is, is one of the places they're going to. Uh, in your experience, I, I mean, is, is, um, is that the only lever you have to work with or is that 
Is that the, the big bat, so to speak? Well, I mean, he, he tells me that one of the reasons why he's there is, of course, is culture really matters. Like you were saying, Bill, culture is hugely important. And, you know, we, we take the time to, to cultivate our employees and to have quality um, moments as a company where we're gathering together as a team. So it's more than just cash or, or equity. It's, it's the whole package. Um, but, you know, I think, I think to be the next to be the next Danner Boots, you know, if I want to be like Danner Boots in however many years, you know, the decisions I'm making now on, on the team we're building are critical. So, yeah, um, cash and equity, that's that's the lever i found that so far has worked. Sure. Okay. I, Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. So uh, the, the whole retention thing is kind of interesting, and, and uh, you mentioned, you know, equity or, or cash. I found that, that it, it really, uh, you need to figure out what floats that person's boat. Um, you know, I can go up to, you know, I did it a, f a few years ago. I, I provided equity to a, a couple of the key employees, and it meant absolutely nothing. Who cares? What's this mean? It's not worth anything. I have a service company of 12 people, and it was, it was useless. Um, uh, I just changed some of the benefits um, uh, for the better for the, for the employees. And some of those, I got a, about uh, five or ten emails saying, oh, my Lord, thank you. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. And other people go, whatever. Uh, doesn't matter. Um, I hand out uh, scorecards. It's a gift certificate that any employee can hand any employee. Some people are thrilled. They got a $40 gift certificate to hopefully a company that's still in business. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, uh, they usually always take the Amazon card, by the way. <laughs> um, it's, it's called a scorecard, a Sigma card of recognition. Um, anyways, uh, so it really, you, you got to figure out what matters to this person. Sometimes a, a bonus. Um, other people, they just want, you know, 50 cents an hour more. That's all that matters. That's it. Um, you know, other people, it's the, the Friday barbecues. Um, it really is each individual, and when you get to 140, there's a lot of each individuals um, that you have to consider. Thank you, Bill. Well, let's let's talk about benefits, and and I'm curious because Angela, with with your perspective and seeing the various employers, what are employers doing with benefits to try to retain and attract mm -hmm. people, and how much leverage do they really have with that? So. Um when the employment market tightens, as we're seeing, and some of the statistics demonstrate, what employers or what employees look for is first, obviously, they look for compensation and and culture, um, but very quickly they fall right to benefits. What is the benefit? What's the health plan? What's the 401k plan? What's the vacation schedule? So on and so forth. And they really quickly fall to that because they're they're making that comparison, right? And this study has been done time and time again. It's always salary and, and direct compensation and then the indirect compensation relative to benefits. And they make that comparison very quickly. As Bill said, you know, some employees, it's all around the health plan because they touch it. They or someone in their family touches the healthcare system uh, either frequently 
um, at least yearly. We should all be getting our wellness exams, by the way. Um, so you should at least touch the, the system once a year. And so it has tremendous meaning. And as the employment market tightens, that gets higher scrutiny relative to recruiting talent. How much do I have to pay? What is the benefit? Do I have a health savings account or a, a health reimbursement account? Those kind of things really play heavily into that process. And as I talk to our customers, some of which are small, mid-size, very large 20,000 employee groups, um, it, it's, a, it's a very strong theme right now in all of them relative to how they're interacting with their employee base, um, what they value. Um, I agree with Bill completely. Every employee is different relative to what their value. Some of them want a higher deductible and they want to they wanna put some money into a health savings account. They're 55 years old and they want to double down in that and know that they need to save some money for when they retire. Others really need um, some type of chronic care and therefore really need to have that benefit program. So um, employers are um, investing more heavily in their benefits program. Oh, through the recession, the thought was people would drop coverage. And um, in 2012, when the public exchange went live, that employers would drop coverage and, and allow their employees to go into that free market. Um, we found that actually very few employers did make that move. Almost all of them continued with their employee benefits plan even through that recession era. So it was an interesting dynamic, and now that we're ramping back up and the economy is getting better, although moderate, um, the investment in benefits is really uh, continued and I think will continue because it is an attraction and retention tool. It really is. Sure. So, so I, I want to... I'm curious to examine one aspect of that that it seems to, in my opinion, I'll offer an opinion here, is that, you know, John uh, offered some questions around mobility. Mm -hmm. And uh, certainly I, I heard more of this in, in during the recession that the reason people were staying at the jobs they had was because of benefits. Yes. And at some point, uh, businesses became the delivery vehicle for health benefits, mm -hmm. unlike many other insurance. I mean, in your opinion, is that is there a better way to deliver this other than through the business? So you actually have a lot of choice right now, frankly, as a consumer. You can go to the public exchange, and there are, I believe, don't quote me on this, but 14 different options on the public exchange and, and open enrollment's beginning. And then you have options off the exchange, and you have subsidy eligibility on the exchange. If you're 400% of poverty level or below, part of your premium gets paid. By the way, that's 45000 a year, give or take. Um, and or the employer is offering benefits. But, in, but the general consumer, if you're in the employment space and you are actively employed, the expectation still in the United States is that benefits is delivered via the employer. That may change over time. And it'll be interesting to see as the economy shifts and the exchanges become more functional, whether that continues to really be the case. But when there's a tight labor market, the employees are 
looking for that via their employer. And it's still expensive if you're over 400% of poverty level and you go to the exchange, it's expensive. It's not inexpensive. Um, we were talking about that earlier, um, about the cost of going out to the public market space. So employees are still looking to their employers to deliver that. And frankly, the re relationship between the employer and the employee is incredibly intimate. Think about what Bill was talking about relative to culture. Think about um, what Mark was talking about relative to his employees and how he was engaging with them. It's a very intimate relationship and the trust bond there is incredibly strong, especially here in the United States. And as a result of that, employees really do look to their employers because their employers they trust. For the most part, they really truly do trust you as an employer to make some of those decisions for them. And so that's why I think that relationship is going to continue in terms of delivering um, benefits, whether it's a pension. And so benefits is broad-based. I'm not talking about just insurance, but it's pretty broad-based. Yeah. I'm curious, I, and, and to your point, it, it's changing, but it's probably a pretty slow change. Mm -hmm. As business owners, Mark and Bill, if, if, if you knew that the employee could get equal benefits, whether they got them through the business or could get them ex outside the business, as a business owner and, and having to deal with all the things that you have to deal with as a business owner, competitive challenges and all the other stuff, is that something you would prefer to continue to do or if they could get it elsewhere, that would be fine and not have to deal with the, the whole benefit delivery? I, I think it's it's too intimate a thing. I, I, I can't imagine saying, hey, go off and, and do your own thing. I, I can't imagine that. Um, I offer uh, full medical, full dental um, to every employee. And then they can, they can bring in family, and we try to offset some of that cost if they decide to get a little less coverage. Um, I, that's just... That's a gimme to me. I mean, with all the concern about health care going on and, oh, my God, the rules are changing, and, Bill, what are you going to do? I go, well, what? wait a minute. I offer it to everybody, and I pay for it. Isn't that the right thing to do? And uh, that's, that's what I do. So I don't, I don't think about it too much, actually. I mean, I, there's a lot of people thinking about it in the company. But when it ever, they come up and they go, what do we do, Bill? I say, what's right for the employee? Because that's the only thing I have in the company are employees. I got buildings and machinery and computers and software and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what runs the company. That's what, not what makes Sigma Design successful. It's the, it's the people. Mm -hmm. So let's treat them right. Mark, what's, uh, how do you wrestle with that? So for me, uh, the most important thing that I would, I would love to have in that consideration is flexibility. Because as you were saying, as both of you guys were saying, each employee has a different set of needs. And so my preference would be a, a system where there was a flexible way where I could, I could make that determination for each employee based on what they needed. And it would be a, you know, a tax deferred or ta you know, some sort of clear way where I could offer a benefit, but without being told exactly how I, how I should be doing that benefit. Um, and there's amb ambiguity about that right now. Uh, in fact, one of my employees, uh, I, was, I was trying to set it up where I could give him a bonus to, to buy his own or to, um, 
pay a part of the insurance he already gets through his wife's employee, employer. And there's ambiguity about that with the IRS, about whether it's, um, it's allowed to do that. So for right now, I'm just giving him a, a bonus that he then pays taxes on, full taxes, at the bonus rate. Um, so I don't have an ideal situation right now where I have flexibility right. with each employee to work that out. But, I mean, as, as Bill is saying, it's very important for me to take care of my employees. I just, I'm a very small, young company. And so I need flexibility um, before I make a commitment. You know, I need to know that I have some flexibility. Right. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www dot zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources Inc., For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com.